Let us read this morning the Word of God in Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Note in this psalm as the psalmist describes prophetically the sufferings that Jesus Christ later on would endure. Psalm 55 to the chief musician on Nejanoth, Maskil, a psalm of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy because of the oppression of the wicked. For they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart, my heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, For then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together, and we walked into the house of God in company. Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. Selah, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. 
He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. It's on the basis of this psalm and many other passages of scripture that we find the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 15. Lord, today, 15, question 37. What dost thou understand by the words, He suffered? The answer, that He, all the time that He lived on earth, but especially at the end of His life, sustained in body and soul the wrath of God against the sins of all mankind, that so by His passion as the only propitiatory sacrifice, He might redeem our body and soul, from everlasting damnation, and obtain for us the favor of God, righteousness, and eternal life. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? That he, being innocent and yet condemned by a temporal judge, might thereby free us from the severe judgment of God to which we were exposed. Is there anything more in his being crucified than if he had died some other death? Yes, there is. For thereby I am assured that he took on him the curse which lay upon me, for the death of the cross was accursed of God. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a great difficulty that we face as we have a text such as this preached unto us. The great difficulty is this. How will it ever be possible For the truth, the reality of this text, so to live in our hearts and in our souls that we can say, I feel the truth of this text. That's the goal of preaching, you know. It's not just to impart knowledge, information, truth to others. It's not simply to give to others the ability to know something that previously they did not know. 
So that's part of it. Instruction from God's Word. But the aim of preaching is more than that. The aim of preaching, power of preaching, is that not only does this text enter into my mind so that I understand it, but it makes its way from my mind down to my heart and my soul so that I say I feel it. This text lives in the consciousness of my soul. This this text is a part now of who I am as the Word of God is imparted unto the parishioner That Word of God now belongs in the heart and soul of the parishioner. And that, I say, is the great difficulty of this text. How is it possible to have the words, He suffered, live in our hearts, and our souls. We can talk a lot about the suffering of Jesus Christ. We can describe it as best we are able as it's set forth in God's Word and as it's explained in the Heidelberg Catechism. But who upon hearing a sermon about the suffering of Jesus Christ, is going to be able to go home and say after the service, I feel that. I know what it means to suffer even as Jesus Christ suffered. The reality is we can't. There's not a person here that will be able fully to understand what it means that He suffered. But thanks be to God that we do not have to feel what Jesus Christ felt. The indescribable anguish being plunged to the depths, even the depths of hell, where the curse of God was upon Him. Thanks be to God that we have been spared feeling what Christ felt as He suffered. Let's consider Lord's Day 15 this morning under the theme, Our Suffering Savior. First, we'll see that this was severe suffering. Second, sacrificial suffering. And third, effectual suffering. Suffering that accomplished its purpose. 
severe. Answer 37 describes the suffering of Christ. Christ, all the time that He lived on earth, but especially at the end of His life, sustained in body and soul the wrath of God against the sins of all mankind. And here already we acknowledge our limitations and our ability to understand truly what it means that Jesus Christ suffered. For who can say, as he or she reflects upon his or her life, that every moment of every day was characterized by suffering. Sometimes we can imagine that the only time that Jesus Christ suffered was on the cross. And for the whole rest of Jesus Christ's walk and journey and pilgrimage and ministry upon this earth, that Jesus Christ more or less lived a normal life perhaps occasionally had seasons of distress, seasons of extra difficulties, but for the most part lived a normal life. But then it wasn't until then at the trial and at the crucifixion that then Jesus Christ began to bear the wrath of God. Now then we do an injustice to the severity of the suffering of Christ, that Christ all the time that He was upon this earth, but especially at the end, bore God's wrath. We might say that Jesus Christ lived His whole life under the shadow of the cross. Jesus Christ, according to His human nature, grew in wisdom, knowledge, And part of Jesus Christ's growth according to His human nature was His growing in His understanding of the will of God. Already at age 12, at a young age, He began to understand what was the Father's will and purpose for Him. Wished ye not that I must be about my Father's business. He knew that His life was going to culminate in that accursed death on the cross. And so all His life long, He bore that burden. Who can can relate to that? It is true that we suffer as well. And we in no way minimize the difficulty and the severity of sufferings that we as human beings have. Some bear heavy burdens, grievous to be borne, even for lengthy, lengthy periods of time. But is it not the case for us that as the psalmist confessed in Psalm 30, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. 
For us, there is always the hope that at some point this particular trial in my life is going to come to an end. But Christ did not have that. His whole life was Gethsemane, where the bloody sweat was pressed out of him as he anticipated the cross. He suffered. Adding to the severity of the suffering of Jesus Christ was the fact that He suffered innocently. Question 38. Why did He suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? The answer, that He being innocent, and yet condemned by a temporal judge might thereby free us from the severe judgment of God to which we were exposed. Is it not the case that the whole life of Jesus Christ was testimony to the fact that He was the innocent sufferer? He did not deserve any of the injustices that were dealt unto Him because He was the holy, sinless pure light of the world. For us, we deserve the suffering that comes upon us because we have inherited our sinful natures from Adam. But Jesus Christ, as the only begotten Son of God, pure light of light, did not deserve an ounce of the sufferings that came upon Him. He did not deserve to have that lowly birth in Bethlehem. He did not deserve to have the reproach and the hatred of family and friends throughout His ministry. The trial under Pontius Pilate and Herod as well confirmed Prove to the whole world that Jesus Christ suffered innocently. I find no fault in Him. I wash my hands of this matter, but go ahead and take Him and crucify Him. The fact that He suffered innocently, we said, intensifies the fact of His Suffering. Who truly can even understand this, what it means to suffer innocently? God has created us as human beings with a sense of righteousness, a sense of what is right and a sense of what is wrong. God has given unto us a desire for justice and how upset we become when injustices are dealt unto us. How immediately we become upset and angry when somebody deals with us in an unfair, unjust manner. And the injustices that are dealt unto us are pale in comparison to the injustices dealt unto Jesus Christ. All it takes for us is standing in line for a long time and having somebody budge 
in front of us. And we become mad that somebody dared to step in front of us in line. Cost us five minutes to have that person budge in front of us in line while waiting at the Department of Transportation. What did it cost Christ to have injustices dealt unto Him? It cost Him His life. Who could even begin to understand what this means to suffer innocently? all your life to bear God's wrath even though you don't deserve God's wrath. He suffered innocently. And then the Word of God makes clear as well what heightened the severity of the suffering of Jesus Christ was the fact that he was betrayed by people whom he knew intimately. He was abandoned by family and by friends. The psalmist speaks of this truth in Psalm 55, verses 12 and following. Here David says, For it was not an enemy... That reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance, we took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. David speaks here prophetically. We can speak of various levels of fulfillment of this prophecy of David. Who was it that was David's equal, his guide, his acquaintance, who reproached him and hated him? The first level of fulfillment was found in Ahithophel, David's counselor. When Absalom rose up against him, Ahithophel abandoned the cause of David, abandoned the cause of the Lord, and joined forces with Ahithophel and gave counsel, or joined forces with Absalom and gave counsel unto Absalom. That's one level of fulfillment. There's another level of fulfillment in Jesus Christ who was the one who was with Jesus Christ, who went into the house of God with Jesus Christ, but then who ultimately hated and reproached Him? Judas. Judas Iscariot. But there's yet another level. Who was it? Who was with Christ? his acquaintance who took sweet counsel with Christ and walked into the house of God in company with Christ, 
but then hated him and reproached him? It was you. And it was me. How painful that was for Jesus Christ to know that it was our sins that held Him there on that tree. The very people who hated Him, who despised His cause by nature, were the people whom He innocently laid down His life for. Who can understand the sufferings of Christ? Some of you can begin to understand what these verses mean. Some of you have felt in very real and personal ways the betrayal and the abandonment of family and friends. Some of you know what it means to stand with and for the cause of Jesus Christ when it means that you will be reproached and hated by those who are closest to you. You might be able to begin to understand what this means, but we never will know what it means. We have our lives sacrificed for them. Who ultimately was the one who turned against Jesus Christ? Who was the one who reproached Him? It wasn't just Judas. It wasn't just you and me. But the one who was Christ's equal, the one who went into the house of God with Him, was God Himself. God poured out His wrath on Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ sustained in body and in soul the wrath of God for the sins of all mankind. My God, my God, Why hast thou forsaken me? Who can understand what it means to face God's wrath? The suffering of Jesus Christ was a sacrificial suffering, and thanks be to God that it was a sacrificial suffering, or otherwise it would mean nothing for you and for me. It was a sacrificial suffering in this sense that Jesus Christ Himself, Jesus Christ gave Himself over unto suffering. Jesus Christ willed to suffer. It was an act of volition, a choice, a determination on His end that He was going to come to this earth and that He was going to suffer all of the days that He was upon this sin-cursed earth. It must be the case that Jesus Christ willingly gave Himself unto this sacrificial suffering. It could not be any other way. 
If Jesus Christ had been coerced or forced into suffering for the sins of all mankind, then the suffering of Jesus Christ would have been of no value, no benefit for you and me. He could not be a substitute for others in that way. That's in part why all of the lambs throughout the Old Testament that were killed were not able to satisfy for the sins of others. In part, the reason they could not satisfy for the sins of others was this. They did not give themselves willfully, but they had to be taken, forced, to that place of being killed and slaughtered for the Old Testament Israelites. Jesus Christ, in distinction from the Old Testament lambs, walked willingly down that road of suffering. What would compel Jesus Christ to do such a thing? Would you and I ever choose to do such a thing? What becomes evident when one looks at the life of Jesus Christ is that He did not have a self-centered, me-first mentality. If Jesus Christ had been concerned about Himself first, He never would have come into this world. His focus was not inward, but His focus was outward. His focus was not on His own protection and on His own well-being, but his thoughts were about the salvation, the preservation, and the glorification of his beloved bride, the church, whom God had given unto him. His attitude was not one of selfishness, but one of selflessness. Concern for his royal bride. Oh, that God would grant unto us a congregation filled with people, with members who have that same selflessness, giving of themselves for the cause of the church. How hard this is for us to do, in part because of the influence of the world as the world teaches us how we are to live. The world's focus is not on care and concern for others, but the whole emphasis of the world is upon a me-first mentality. Allow me to exercise self-care, self-preservation, take care of myself, pursue my own financial protection, Look out for my own self and my own family. And then if there's anything, perhaps I'll take care of or assist others. And how hard the devil works to have that worldly mentality creep into the church. 
This happens on an individual level where members become more concerned about themselves than about the needs of others. This happens on a family level where members of a family collect together, huddle together, and are more concerned about the family than about the body. This can happen on a community level where the members of the community gather forces together to defend themselves. But sadly, this can even happen on an ecclesiastical level, a church level, where the members of the church huddle together and join their forces for their own self-preservation, the protection and well-being of self, at the expense of spreading the gospel, advancing the kingdom to the four corners of the globe. Where the church has a mentality, a focus that is inward, looking at what's presently in and how can we defend and protect what's in, instead of having an attitude that is outward. Focusing on how we can be the light of the world, the salt of the earth who share the gospel with those who have not yet heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus' focus was not inward. If He had been focused on Himself, He never would have come into this world. But it was love for those outside of Himself whom the Father had given Him that compelled Him willingly to come. He gave Himself as a sacrifice. Answer 37 of the Catechism, the second half, that so by His passion, suffering, is the only propitiatory sacrifice. He might redeem our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtain for us the favor of God, righteousness, and eternal life. This was, was it not, the essence of the sufferings of Jesus Christ that He bore the wrath of God. That is what distinguished Jesus Christ in His suffering from the suffering of every other person upon this earth. He bore God's wrath for the sins which human beings committed against Him. There are many other people whose obituaries could read similar to Jesus Christ. He was born. He suffered and he died. There are countless other people who experience great trials and tribulations upon this earth. There are countless hundreds, thousands of other people who have even died the death of crucifixion. Who similar unto Jesus Christ have had their bodies hanged upon that tree where they took their last breath and then died. What makes the suffering of Jesus Christ remarkable 
distinct from the suffering of any other person upon the face of this earth is that He gave Himself as the only propitiatory, atoning sacrifice to God. He bore in body and in soul the wrath of God. We mustn't imagine that Jesus Christ in His suffering can be found in the midst of a long list of other individuals who suffered. This person suffered. That woman suffered. And here is Jesus Christ. And He suffered as well, didn't He? No, Jesus Christ is not found in a long list of other sufferers. But Jesus Christ was the ultimate. Sufferer. But indescribable anguish and pain he endured as he gave himself as that sacrifice. The psalmist helps us begin to understand it. Psalm 55, verse 4, Christ speaks here. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. The struggle of Jesus Christ was so great that if it were possible, He sought a way of escape. Verse 6, And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Lo, then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Think of His prayer in Gethsemane. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Suffering so great that it could not be contained within him, but the anguish of his soul was expressed in cries and laments unto his Father. Verses 1 and 2. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me, I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Thanks be to God that the suffering of Jesus Christ was effectual suffering. That He sustained in body and in soul the wrath of God for the sins of all mankind. So that, according to answer 39 of the Catechism, thereby I am assured that He took on Him the curse which lay upon me, for the death of the cross was a curse of God. Curse. That's what Jesus Christ experienced on the cross. The curse. It's God's word of holy wrath and anger against the iniquities of mankind. 
curse. It's the opposite of God's blessing. Blessing is God's word of favor, His word of approval upon His people and God's curse. The opposite of that is the word of God's disfavor. The word of God's disapproval upon the unrighteous deeds of man. The cross was a symbol of the curse of God which rested upon the soul of Jesus Christ. The cross revealed that there was no room for Jesus Christ suspended between heaven and earth. Mankind on earth did not want Him. Heaven could not receive Him. For He had on Him the guilt of the sins of us all. There on that accursed tree, Christ emptied Himself completely. This is the believer's assurance. Christ has redeemed me, being made a curse for me. He laid down His life for specific people, for His sheep, whom He knows and whom He calls by name. Because He laid down His life for me, I may know That God is not angry with me. For God's Son bore the expression of God's wrath. God does not pronounce His curse upon me. For His Son became accursed in my place. This changes our perspective of our earthly suffering. Does it not? It gives us to know that we have been freed from the severe judgment of God to which we were exposed. If it were not for the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then every time we would go through a trial, a difficulty in our lives, we would be left wondering, is God angry with me? Does God hate me? And because He hates me, He's putting this trial, this burden, this division, this rebellion, rebellious person in my life. If it were not for Jesus Christ, then we must conclude that the answer is yes. It's because of God's disapproval because of God's curse upon me, that He sends all these things. How different is our perspective knowing that Jesus Christ sustained the wrath of God and took away that curse to which otherwise we would be exposed. He gives unto us the ability to see how light our trials are in comparison to the soul-crushing burden that Christ sustained. 
gives unto us to see how brief, how temporal our trials are in comparison to the everlasting condemnation that was squeezed into the lifetime of Jesus Christ. It gives unto us to know that God has a good plan. A sanctifying purpose in the trials that He puts in our lives. These trials come upon us by our Father's good hand that we might be conformed into the image of our elder brother, Jesus Christ. We may know by faith that God will uphold and strengthen us in the midst of the adversities of this life. Verse 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, It is only when we view our burdens in and through Jesus Christ that we can confess that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Help us to be faithful for as long as Thou art pleased to have us remain on this earth. We thank Thee for Thy Son and for His sacrificial death on the cross in our place. Comfort us with the thoughts of His finished work at Calvary. May we know of Thy approval from on high. Shine the light of Thy countenance down upon us. Bless and keep us. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.